We've been studying over the last now four weeks together the underground movement of Jesus in the early church in the book of Acts. And I just want to ask a simple question. Do you believe what we read in the book of Acts is possible still today? There was like, for those online, oh, there, there was one, yes. And then someone was like, yes, these people are wrong, right? <laughs> hey, it's okay. It's okay. We'll get real for a second. Like we read this, the New Testament and we think like, no, those people knew Jesus. I just like, you know, work at Geico. I can't make the, no, I'm telling you today, you could be the type of world changer that we read about in the New Testament. And that's at the heart of what we want to share. That said, uh, our greater movement maker statement for this morning is what would it look like in our culture to reach a million people for Christ in the state of Indiana? And we want to get more in depth on that. Uh, will you put your hands together, though, and give a warm welcome to Pastor Envita Elder, who's going to be co-teaching with me this morning. She's going to be doing the first half. If you don't know Envita, uh, she is a mom of four kids. She's also a, a full-time nurse, and then she also is a pastor on the side. So if you think you got a lot going on, you got to get to know Envita, our pastor of prayer and fasting. Envita, take it away. Well, thank you. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Awesome. Well, last time I was up here, I had a lot of people ask me if Pastor Rob and I are married. He's over the online campus. He's over the huddles here. So if you're wondering the same thing, yes, we are. We have been married for almost 15 years, and this is our tribe. We have four amazing kids, and it's just such a blessing to be their parents. Um, One of the things that we love to do as a family is play board games. Anyone here like to play board games? Yeah, you guys, I think you're the most fun service so far. Um, It turns out that if you really want to get to know someone, you should just start playing board games with them. You can learn a lot about a person. Over the years, I've found out that my husband is a little competitive. Me on the other side, I just like to win against him, you know, and uh, um, it turns out that this kind of flows into everything else in life where I think that I can just outdo him with everything. Um, And this is not why I went into ministry, by the way. Um, so a couple of years ago, he came up to me and he said, hey, so there's this boxing outpost at the church, and I think I'm going to start going to it. And I was like, yeah, you should go. It'd be awesome. So he's been coming out to Pastor Ben's um, boxing outpost here. And so after some time goes by, we're having a conversation. He's like, I'm really loving this boxing thing, and I think I'm actually getting pretty good at it. He's like, I'm getting stronger and faster, and he just goes on and on and on. I was like, really? Like, how good could you possibly be? Do you know? And I told him that I had a punching bag in my backyard when I was in junior high. And I was all hardcore, and I used to just go to town with it without even any gloves on. So I was like, you know what? I think I could be better at you, uh, better than you at this if I started going. So for Christmas, he gets me a pair of boxing gloves. So then I start going once a week for an hour. And because Coach Ben is such a fantastic coach, He's like, you know, I think you're doing putting in great effort, but if you really want to see some like improvement, you should maybe try to come like twice a week. Turns out that I'm really not all that. So then I was like, yeah, he probably has a point. So I started working out on my own at home. And over time, you guys, I saw this amazing like improvement in my head at least. And I was like, okay, this is good. And then summer happened and I decided, well, I think I'm going to take some time off and because my kids are home and I spend time with them. And then school started, and I was like, well, I still need to take time off because 
you know, like life is taking over with all their activities right now. But I am planning on going back next week. If you guys want to come out, he has new classes. You should check it out. Um, but honestly, if I'm being honest with you, I just, what I really want is just show up to boxing like once a week for an hour or maybe just whenever it's convenient for me and somehow have these like mad boxing skills, right? It sounds ridiculous, right? But I think when it comes to our spiritual life, a lot of us have the same attitude where we want to just show up to church once a week for an hour, listen to somebody else's story about what they know about God, what they've experienced with God, or actually just come to church whenever it's convenient for us and somehow have this like amazing relationship with Jesus and expect God to use us in these powerful ways in our communities. We've been studying the book of Acts and over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how God just shows up and does what he only he can, and the church of God just explodes. If we want to have results like that in our lifetime, we've been talking about how we want to see a million people come to know Jesus in the state of Indiana by 2050, which is an amazing goal, by the way, because it's a God goal, right? I think it's not going to happen if we just show up to church on a Sunday morning. We, if we want the results that they had, we have to start doing what they did. So we're going to dive into that this morning. We're going to open with a prayer real quick, though. God, we just want to thank you so much for being our God. God, what a privilege it is to come to you, God, and to be called your sons and your daughters. And God, I just pray that you would speak to us this morning. God, when you speak, everything changes. So I just pray that you would soften our hearts and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're opening in book of Acts, chapter 13, and it says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manhine, who had been brought up with Harold the Tetrish and Saul. Really, all these people that I can't pronounce, but the point is they were there at the church of Antioch with a purpose. They didn't just randomly show up. They were there with a purpose. And it says that while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now, as a person who is over the prayer and the fasting team here at church, I want to tell you that I'm a little passionate about the disciplines of prayer and fasting. And if you're new to the church, this is not the first time that this is mentioned in the Bible. In fact, when you look at the Old Testament, the New Testament, it's everywhere. Let me give you some examples. Moses, before he got the commandments, he had fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights before he got them. Elijah, he fasted and prayed as he was running for his life from this queen who tried to kill, who tried to kill him. In the book of Ezra, they fasted and prayed as he led the exiles back to Jerusalem for their protection. In the book of Esther, they fasted and prayed. She called a fast for all the Jews. They're like, we have to go before God because our whole Jewish nation is about to get annihilated. When we look at the New Testament, Jesus himself, he fasts and he prays before he gets launched into the public ministry. And when he speaks about prayer and fasting church, it's not just like, hey, you know, if you fast or if you pray. No, he's like, when you fast and when you pray, he expects us to do it. This is a discipline that we have to practice. If you look at any move of God throughout history, every single great move of God has been started when people get desperate and they go before God in prayer and fasting and they seek Him desperately. 
And this is not something that just happened in the Bible or happened like a long time ago. Someone just actually came up to me after the second service here, and he's from Africa. And he's like, man, I love the message this morning. He's like, I want to tell you, I just got here from a church where God is just, like there is this whole revival going on. In fact, God is showing up in such a powerful way that we're having services every day of the week because that's how many people are coming. Isn't that awesome? That we have a God who wasn't just doing things then, he's doing things now. The difference is, are we desperate enough for him to move? Are we gonna make room in our lives to seek him for who he really is? Do we really want the things of God or are we just looking out for ourselves? So that's what we're gonna dive into this morning. When My first point is seek God and his purposes. In the coming months, church, we're gonna go into fasting and praying together as a church, and we're going to get desperate. Because see, the thing is, things don't happen in our hearts and our lives by coming to church on a Sunday morning, listening to somebody else preach. Hearts change, lives change when you get to know Jesus for yourself. And when you hear from him, everything changes. You just have this joy and this passion for God, like, God, you are so good. I can't keep that to myself. I want to share you with others. Like, you just can't contain it. So we need to have that passion to seek after him, because his word says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that's a promise. God show up. He is going to show up when we get desperate for him. I think he's pretty awesome too. So we're going to keep going. Um, In Acts chapter 13 too, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, I just want to point out that God had, he had a plan, right? He said there was some work to be done, and for whatever reason, he chose Barnabas and Saul. Do you ever wonder, like, what would have happened if Barnabas and Saul said, I have better things to do. Like, I got to think about this. I don't know if this is really for me. Like, could you imagine, like, what would have happened? Would his work have stopped? Probably not, right? Like, because God has a plan. He has a purpose. He actually wants everyone to know about him. He wants to draw people to him. Last um, summer, I was driving through my neighborhood, and I had this God moment. You know, God speaks in so many different ways. And one of the ways he speaks to me is through, like, images or visions or whatnot. And I was driving, and I felt like he showed me this picture of this um, small area by my neighbor's garage. Her name is Miss Cynthia. Amazing woman. And I felt like God was asking me to plant flowers there for her. But it was summer, and I was a little busy, so I didn't really prioritize it. I'm like, hey, I'll get to it. And I kept driving. Every time I drove by, which was a lot, by the way, because she lives two houses down from me, I was like, I need to plant those flowers for her. I need to do this. But I just didn't prioritize it. Fast forward, almost a year goes by, and it's springtime, and I'm driving, and I stopped driving in the middle of the road. Because I saw this gardening company, you guys, and they were planting flowers for Miss Cynthia just in this one little area where I feel like God had asked me to plant flowers for her. And our God, in the sweetest, more kindest, like the gentlest way, he said, I used someone else. So I had a nice talk with God, and I went home. And you know, a lot of times um, when God speaks, he confirms it. So I went home, and I got a call from Miss Cynthia. She's like, Invita. I was like, hi, Miss Cynthia. She's like, did you plant these flowers for me? I was like, oh, no, I sure didn't. She's like, because the first person I thought of was you. I was like, oh, that's nice that you would think such a thing. And then she goes on and on about how incredibly loved she felt. And she was just I was just overwhelmed with just love and affection, just how just 
how it has just made her day and just all this love that she felt. And Miss Cynthia, she loves Jesus, and I love talking to her about God. And I was like, Miss Cynthia, I have to tell you something. I'm like, I want to tell you that God had put it on my heart to plant flowers for you just in that exact same spot like a year ago. And honestly, I just haven't prioritized it. And how amazing is our God that just because I didn't prioritize it, didn't mean he didn't do it for you. He found somebody else who would plant those flowers for you and who would make you feel that love that you experience. Isn't that our God? Like he didn't even give up his own son to show his love for us. So church, I just want to share that for somebody who's sitting here today. There are things that God has put on your heart to do and that you just keep delaying. And maybe someday, you know, you'll make it to heaven or whatnot, but I want to tell you that you are going to miss out on joining God with what he's doing here right now if you keep delaying it and not prioritizing him. So if you want to be a part of what God is doing and you want to have these amazing stories and all these fun adventures with Jesus, you probably want to start listening to those promptings. And what these people, when we look at Paul and Barnabas, they just went. They didn't ask questions. They just went. They said, yeah, God, we want to be part of what you're doing. But what they didn't know is how that one moment this one experience was going to change history of the church, really. It was such an important part of history. And Pastor Josh is going to come up and talk a little bit more about that. Thank Evita for sharing this morning. I've been inspired all morning. I mean, whenever she talks, it's just like, I thought I loved Jesus. But then I see her passion and I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah, I got a long way to go. Uh, because I'll be honest, if we're going to be real for just a moment, like part of me, and maybe this is why my children are the way they are, uh, part of me just heard, wait, uh, so like if I don't do what God wants me to do, someone else will just do it for me? <laughs> Sweet, right? Like, and I think you're kind of missing the point because what we're going to look at next is how because Paul and Barnabas chose to allow God to use them, to join with God's purposes, after seeking him, they're going to get to see the, the kingdom multiplying explosive impact that few people rarely ever get to see. The third point we want to make this morning is after we see God and his purposes and we join with God and his purposes that we multiply God's purposes in others. And I wonder how many of us think that's not even, well, you know, like really possible. Like, think about this just for a second, because we're taking this for granted. They set apart Paul and Barnabas. Well, some of you are here like, God, God's never going to use me, okay? I'm just, I'm not one of those professional Christians that, you know, God uses. I just don't want to go to hell. I'd like to go to heaven instead. And I want you to hear you are meant for so much more than that. That some of the, the giants of the faith, I believe, are in this room attending online, who will do far greater things than anybody who will be up here on this stage. If they respond and are obedient to what God desires to do in them and allow him to change your heart in a way that it actually multiplies and advances the kingdom in the lives of other people. Paul and Barnabas got set aside as the people to send out as the first church planters. This is where everything changes in the book of Acts. Antioch, you know, north of Jerusalem is where it will become the epicenter for church planting throughout the Roman Empire. 
These were the pagan people, as we looked at last week, who were far from God, and yet they're the very people God will use to send these missionaries out. And two of the people they choose, Barnabas and the other one, Paul, Paul had been overseeing the persecution of Christians, imprisoning them for simply because of their faith. The people would have been afraid of him. I would have been like, wait, maybe we need to pray longer. Somebody here didn't fast because they wouldn't have said Paul. Like, that was the wrong guy, Right? Like they should have said, go down to Jerusalem, beg Peter and John and the other disciples who have been with Jesus longer, who don't have this you know, checkered past to go out and advance the church planting effort. And yet God selected Paul. And I wonder for some of you in the room who maybe you feel like you could never be used by God. You don't understand the, the weight and the impact and the importance you have to God. If you prioritize that in your life. And, okay, like, I got a whole long sermon to share, and I'm going to be real with you. Like, I went long at both services, and everybody's mad at me for it. So I'm going to try to, like, get to the point at this service. And the point is this. Like, God is speaking to some people in the room, and you've been putting it off because you, you got other things that bring you more comfort than following Jesus. And, and that's the gut check reality of what I want to dive into. Are you cool if we do that? Look, look what happens here. So in in verses four and five of Acts 13, here's how the great missionary journey of how they were gonna advance the the mission of Jesus started. They'd sent these two of them, Paul and Barnabas, sent them on their way by the Holy Spirit, and then they bought some tech equipment, and they found the largest amphitheater in Antioch. And then they sent flyers throughout the Roman Empire and tried to attract and draw all of the people to this one open amphitheater there in Antioch, and that's how they advanced the gospel, and we're all here today. In, in, the, in our Western American way of thinking, and, and look, I'm kind of poking fun of it ourselves. There's nothing wrong with those things, right? But the priority of the way that the gospel advanced in the book of Acts was not that way. You didn't need a celebrity pastor. You didn't need any book signings. You just simply needed to reach people for Christ, disciple them, send them out to reach the next people and multiply that into other people. And I believe multiplication within the local church only occurs when we believe God can use someone else as much as he can use us. The same spirit is in you that was in Billy Graham. You ever think about that? Well, not not me, maybe a, a good person. I'm not one of the good. No, in you, if you know Jesus, you receive the spirit of God in your life. The same Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that was in Billy Graham, is in you. So what really happened was they're sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Cilicia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And then when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John, also known as Mark, who wrote the gospel, Mark, was with them as their helper. So these three young dudes are sent out to tell people from town to town about Jesus. Now, I got a little map for you, for you history majors or you geography people. This is what a, a, is there a geography person in the room? One person, that's great. Two, they're both very, they don't want to admit it, but yes. So this will help you. Uh, They're starting in Antioch up there and they're going to travel by boat and they're going to end up going to Galatia in that province of the Roman Empire where they're going to go to Antioch, different Antioch, and then they're going to go to Iconium. And those two places, they're going to be run out of the city for what they have to share. And so they end up in the city of Lystra and look what happens in the city of Lystra uh, in verse 19, Acts chapter 14, verse 19. It says, 
Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. Then get this. But after the disciples had gathered around him, they got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. So let's get this straight, okay, for just a second. Let's pretend that you're from Westfield, Indiana. Fine town. Anybody from Westfield out there? I want you to, okay, you came to Carmel to tell the Carmelites about Jesus. And then when they got there, they didn't like what they were saying. So they took you and they beat you. And then they, they take you outside of Carmel and they leave you there thinking that you're dead. How many of you ever come to Carmel again? Some of you are like, I wasn't sure I wanted to come this morning. <laughs> I, I want to tell you that like what Paul does here is not normal or natural. He gets back up and he goes back into the city because the mission of multiplying the good news of Jesus in the lives of others was his primary task, not his secondary task. I hope that you have an amazing life that you dreamed of as a child. I hope you make uh, lots of financial resources and get to go on the fun vacations you dreamed of. And you know, there's nothing sinful and wrong in and of themselves. But if that is the priority in your life is to have a comfortable life, you will never actually see what we read in the book of Acts. That's the hard truth. See, there's a reason that we don't multiply and see, you know, hit our face and seek God first and then join with what he's doing and then, and then multiply in the lives of others. We don't do it, but here's the problem. One, because it's hard and uh, sometimes painful and actually requires complete surrender to Jesus, which is kind of a tall task, isn't it? And the reason we don't respond and live that way is because it would require something difficult from our lives. Here's what actually hit me this week and even leading up to this. And I didn't say it at the first service and it was like God said, man, you missed the mark. As I was preparing for this, I was thinking about my own life and my prayer life. I want you to think about your prayer life, your fasting life right now. You're like, what is fasting? <laughs> That's probably a good place to start. And in all truth, when I first became a Christian and somebody said, you should fast, I was like, does that have something to do with running? I don't know what that means. Fasting is you give food up in order to rely fully on God and actually see him sustain you as a means of drawing near to him, that it's his power, his authority that will change things. And so if we looked at your prayer and fasting life and we're looking at our greater movement maker statement to reach a million people for Christ, how are we doing on reaching a million people for Christ based off your prayer and fasting? Oh, that didn't feel good, did it? Like I was thinking about that and I got super convicted because the truth is like I'm preaching to myself on that. And I'm not trying to guilt anybody or to like tell you you gotta be holier than the next person next to you. What I'm telling you is that if you wanna see what we read in the book of Acts, it's gonna require you hitting your face and seeking him first and then responding and joining with what he's asking and then multiplying that into other people. And that's not easy, that's hard. It's gonna take complete surrender. And I believe to give you hope today that we are seeing some of those things happen in our culture, even today. But the truth is, if we're gonna see this multiplying effort occur, let, let me give you an example, all right? So just the last three weeks, something has happened that we've never happened in the life of this church. 
when we came here, my wife and I moved from California over 12 years ago, planted the First Mercy Road Church. Like we would have been happy reaching a few people for Christ and having like 100 people meeting as a church. And to see today, like soon to be five Mercy Road churches, over 20 some churches planted through Multiply Indiana, thousands of people coming to know Jesus Christ. All of those things did not happen because of any people. It happened because God is real. And his spirit still moves today. And in the last three weeks, we saw, I think we had about five baptisms planned, something like that. We saw 17 people get baptized. We have three more people getting baptized at this service this morning. Yeah, we can celebrate. And I, we've never had a month where every single Sunday people were getting baptized. And, and I just wonder, are there going to be more people sitting here today? You didn't plan to get baptized. You're just going to get baptized in your clothes because you're tired of living in the selfish American uh, lifestyle. And instead, you're going to start living first and foremost to multiply God's kingdom in the lives of other believers. But let me tell you, the reason it's so hard, we don't set church up to actually live out what we read in the book of Acts. I love all churches. I love all local churches. I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative about any local church. God may have called me to do something different, but I want you to know where we have always been going as a local church. We want to reach a million people for Christ, even if it means our church doesn't survive. Even if it means we close the doors because the kingdom is going to advance by reaching more people outside of the doors. That we must be known more for ascending capacity than our seating capacity. I think that in our culture, we think... Oh, if we build this bigger system, we will draw more consumerist Christians together. But really what we do, we just attract other believers from other places and we don't see actual kingdom life change happen of people who didn't know Jesus transformed by it. If you're here today and you don't, you don't consider yourself a Christian, we started this church for you. And when we say we believe nobody's too far from God, experience life change through Jesus, we're talking about you. Like God loves you more than any human being ever will. And he loves you so much, not just because he wants you to go to heaven. Yes, he does. But also because he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And it's more than just some fun weekends and nice vacations and some nice night outs. You know, what I loved, I was talking to, uh, man, I'm getting on tangents. It's all right. I promise I'll get done. I was talking to somebody this morning and there's a woman getting baptized who was at a concert last night. Is Jennifer here? I think so. No? Yes? Uh, uh, right here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not calling you out. I loved that she was at, what concert was it? Keith Urban. She was at Keith Urban last night and got up to get baptized and follow Jesus this morning. If, if Keith Urban's not a reason to come to church, I don't know what is. And she's saying, no, I want to live it. You know, I believe that sometimes it's going to require things of us in our lives. And too often in our churches, we build it about how do we grow our local church and grow the finances and purchase properties and nothing in and of themselves wrong with those things. We've done some of those things, but it has to be about advancing God's kingdom and multiplying disciples who multiply disciples who multiply disciples outside the church walls. It's not going to happen from professional Christians drawing people into a building. And, and, and too often, here's what we do. We get so concerned about a church surviving, particularly in the last two and a half years. It's been hard with COVID. And, and you know, I've, I've heard the messages that uh, church survival rates are much higher if you do video venues, because if the lead pastor is on the screen, more people will show up to listen to the message. And, and, and those rates are statistically accurate. It's true that people will show up more. But my question is, who are we showing up to see? 
I don't think it should be about what's the best rate of survivability for advancing the gospel. And again, I'm not trying to talk negative about any church. Like there are great models that are different than ours. We're giving you a 30,000 foot view of the ecclesiology for the theology people in the room of what we're attempting to do within Mercy Road, which is decentralize the power and authority from just a few, believe that the spirit of God still works in individuals, send them out to live on mission, reach new people for Christ, and then they reach new people for Christ. If you're here and you feel far from God, so can I talk to you for just a second? To the bad people in the room? Bad people, you with me? Uh, you know, we should talk to the good people. Like, like, okay, so you think you're far from God, and now I want you to picture in your head somebody who's worse than you. Can you do that? Some of you like, the list is short, but yes. Someone came to mind. I want you to picture that person who is actually worse than you, and I'm, I'm being facetious, right? Like, worse than you, that if you were transformed by Jesus and his spirit lived in you and it flowed over and multiplied into that person's life, that that person could actually come to know Jesus and be transformed. And then they or he or she reaches someone who's even farther from them. And then that person reaches someone who even farther. That's literally what we're reading in the book of Acts. They go into Iconium, they're run out of the city. They go to Lystra, they're left for dead. They go on to Derby. They don't like them that much there. And they keep going around. In fact, I have a couple other maps in the second and third missionary journeys in the book of Acts. They're going to travel all over the place. And they keep going back to the same cities. Why? Because even though they had to suffer, even though it was hard, they weren't going to give up. Those people needed to hear the news of Jesus. In each of those places, new churches get started, and that's how the gospel spreads all over the Roman Empire. By the third missionary journey, they're all over the places you can see up into Macedonia and beyond, and they went there because of a prayer, and God is radically changing lives. Within 300 years, Christianity, which went from just a few people in Jerusalem, became the official religion of the Roman Empire because so many people had been transformed by the gospel. And it all started with them telling a few and transforming lives and telling a few. And the fuel for the fire that burned deep within them was that they prayed and fasted and they sought the Lord and they joined with what he was doing. See, you may not think it's worth it. Well, God could just raise somebody else up. And I want to tell you, it will be the greatest thing you ever do with your life when you actually live by faith, not by your own selfish desires, but to pursue God's best, even when it's hard, to believe that he could change your life in a way that the addiction no longer exists, that the marriage is healed, that the the children that are having problems, that he could transform them, that the, the debt that you feel is insurmountable, that he could actually produce wise stewardship in your life that, that rids you of that, that you could become somebody that God not only transforms, but then shares that with other people and transforms their lives. Look what happens here at, at the end of Acts 14. Verse 21, they go to another city and they preach the gospel in the city and won a large number of disciples. Then they return to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. The three cities that don't really like them, And they go back there, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. That through prayer and fasting again, 
They had committed in the Lord and they will eventually will go all the way back to Jerusalem after that first missionary journey and share about the people who came to know Jesus in each of those towns. And my question is, what stories will you have when you get to heaven? There's some of you that God has been asking you to do something for a very long time. Young people in the room, you know there's some stuff in your life that is not honoring to God. And you know you need to change it. You know you need to give it up. And you keep putting it off because it's hard. It's not easy. Well, following Jesus sometimes is hard. And you have to get back up and get back into the city and say, God, I'm not done. Use me. Forgive me. Use me in a way I've never been used before. Some of you have gone through hurt in your life that somebody had done to you. Maybe you even experienced a church. Maybe you even experienced it this church. And you have to go, God, use me again. I'm not giving up on your mission. I told you this morning, I was actually preaching to myself a little bit because the truth is, like you, I've experienced hardship in following Jesus in my life. When, when we moved to Indiana, many of you know this part of our story, that we lost a child, our second son. He had a genetic disorder and he only lived two weeks. And it was the hardest thing I ever went through. And I was like, God, I don't want to do this church planting mission for Jesus thing anymore. I want to put my head in the sand and avoid pain. I actually used to pray, God, advance your kingdom through me, but I don't want any more pain, no more pain. And then, and then you know, things, God started moving and reaching people for Christ. And we were seeing all this stuff happen. And then we purchased this building. And we closed on it because there were so many people who come to faith. And it was on my son's fourth birthday, the son that passed away. And it was like God just saying, I got you. But then there were other hard things in ministry and in life and in raising children. And, and then, you know, we had a global pandemic two and a half years ago. I don't know if you remember that. And, and for some of us, like, we had a lot of political vitriol that occurred after that. I don't know if you noticed that either, if you've been on social media in the last three years. And then it was like, oh man, how many of you just want to put your head in the sand and avoid life, attend church online for the rest of your years? Right? Like that's, that's the reality that I think most of us felt. And I, and I began to realize, even as I was preparing for this message, that I don't want to avoid stuff anymore. I want to enter in to seek God first, to join with what he's doing, and then multiply it in the lives of those around me. I want to use my time, my talents, and my tre treasures. I want to see God actually make a wake of impact to reach a million people for Christ. And it's going to be reflective of the type of prayer and fasting, how, how much we really want God to show up in our marriages, in our families, in our workplaces, in our homes. And so I'll close with this. I imagine, you know, the way that Jesus sacrificed, he gave up everything. Even in his last night, he's praying, God, take this cup from me, but let your will be done. And I wonder how many of you are here today that there's something God's been speaking to you about for a while. Maybe it's to get into Rooted, join a huddle, start a huddle, join an outpost, start an outpost. Maybe it's to start living on mission for him. Maybe it's to address reconciliation you need with other believers or family members in your life. I don't know what it is. That's not for me to say. What I wanna tell you is that if the spirit of God has been telling you to do that, stop avoiding it today. Join with what he is doing demonstrate it to other people of how to multiply God's efforts. We pray with me, Lord, I, I thank you for every person that is here in this room that could have been doing any other thing on a Sunday and they came to worship you. And we're going to get to baptize at least three people here now, Lord. And I wonder how many other people in this room right now, the truth is they have not been fully surrendering every aspect of their life to you. That there's something you know, that they know you've been asking them to do or to change and it's hard, and we don't want to do it. And God, whatever that is this morning, I pray your Holy Spirit would convict us, 
challenge us, encourage us, and that we would surrender that to whatever it is right now, just not out loud, but just confess it to him right now. Whatever it is, you know that next step of faith that you need to take and you need to stop putting off. God, we're not gonna see the impact without you, but God, we see it happening because people more and more are choosing to live fully surrendered to you. So if you're here this morning and you would like to surrender everything in your life to Jesus as Lord, I invite you to pray this silently as I pray it out loud. God, I confess that I need you. I'm I'm sorry I've been doing life without you. I do this beautiful thing. I repent of anything in my life that's not of you and I surrender everything I have to you. Use me, Jesus, to change this world. We pray this in your name and all God's family said, amen.